Hey, I'm Sophie. And I'm Sophia. And this is the That Showbiz Baby podcast. Hey, Sophia, how are you doing today? Hey, Sophie, I'm pretty good. How are you? You know, good, good, hanging in there. So for our episode today, we wanted to go back to our segment called This Day in Music History and take a look at November 10th and what's happened in the music world. Big day, everyone. So Big day in music, apparently. <laughs> this is a big day. A lot is going on. We have a lot of fun things. And to kick it off, I'm going to throw it way back to 1938, which is when Kate Smith sang the Irving Berlin song, God Bless America, for the very first time. Um, Berlin had written the song for a musical that he wrote in 1918, but never used it. So this was the very first introduction, which is fun. A classic. A classic. Yeah, that song. Still around today. Pretty crazy. Good job, Irving. (laughs) I (laughs) am going to take it forward to 1966 when a British newspaper broke the news that the Beatles are going to refuse all future offers to tour. So this was kind of at the height of their fame. They were getting tens of thousands of people to every show they were playing, but they were getting really tired of people screaming over them and not really appreciating their music and the inability to be super creative on stage due to technology at the time. So they said, you know what? We're over this. We're only releasing albums. That's such a power move. Literally. To have the ability to do that. (laughs) Anyways, next up, I'm very excited for this one. Um, We have, we're going to forward to 1969. We have Sesame Street debuted on TV. It was its debut in the American public. Um, And, you know, this is a classic. I don't know. I remember watching this when I was little. Kind of fun. And they actually had a lot of cool musicians on the show drop by in and out. Um, Like Stevie Wonder, James Taylor, Ray Charles, the Dixie Chicks, and Alicia Keys are some of the many to appear on the show, which I actually didn't know that. But the funny part is they did have two people turn down the offer to be on Sesame Street, and that was Bruce Springsteen and Barbara Streisand. So, Honestly, they're lost because (laughs) Sesame Street's great. Star-studded, really. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. (laughs) My favorite show as a child, honestly. So, good to hear about it. Um, In 1975, the band Queen shot their music video for Bohemian Rhapsody. And apparently, it only took them four hours to shoot the whole thing. So, that was pretty impressive. Um, And, you know, the song obviously went on to be iconic. And the video still lives on. So, good for them. Okay. Now, I'm going to do another one. We're going to go to 1979, where... Rapper's Delight by the Sugar Hill Gang becomes the first rap song to hit the Billboard Hot 100, Hot 100, entering the chart at number 84. And this song is now credited by Rolling Stone as one of the 500 greatest songs of all time. It's an amazing song. Um, my roommate actually wants to get a rabbit and name the bunny Sugar Hill Gang because it starts like a hip hop, hippity hop. And rabbits hop. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, Sugar I Hill for short. That. Yeah, that's so cute. <laughs> also, rabbits are adorable. So 10 out of 10 support. I would come hang out with the rabbit. Right? Sugar Hill. Oh, so cute. <laughs> <laughs> 
1986, speaking of Bruce Springsteen, shot down Sesame Street, um, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band released Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band Live, 1975 to 1985. And this album sold 1 million copies in a single day, which is pretty insane, especially for a live album. Yeah, talk about power moves, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> we've, had, we've had a lot of power moves showing out on <laughs> November 10th. Um, and, okay, not to not to make it sad, but going to fast forward to 2012, which on this day in history, in 2012, Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez announced their breakup. So... Rip. That's kind of sad. And um, also, Justin Bieber played an acoustic version of Cry Me a River at his show in Boston. <laughs> so, sad boy vibes on November 10th in 2012. And, you know, you may be thinking, that's not music news. That's just celebrity gossip. And yes, it is. And we're reporting on it. <laughs> and we still like it. <laughs> and to wrap it up, um, we have 2017, Taylor Swift releases her album, Reputation. This followed her whole publicity campaign, which I remember seeing on social media, where she cleared her social media accounts and posted videos of a hissing snake. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's super fun. But to be honest, I do really like this album. So, I support. Yeah. Something about November 10th. If there's any astrologists listening, let us know. Is it like a day of power moves, of icons? I don't know, but a lot of good stuff yeah, today. Some, something's going on. <laughs> something's going on. <laughs> and everyone, thank you for listening to Music History, and please stay tuned for our interview with our good friend, Jaron Valdry. So today we have Jaron Valdry with us. Jaron is a student and musician at the University of Southern California. She is currently a junior studying communication with minors in music industry and saxophone. Her passions lie in music, diversity, and women's empowerment, which led her to become the president of the Women's Network at USC. As she grows in her professional career, she hopes to end up working in A&R or streaming at a record label or DSP. In her free time, you can find her writing on her blog, The JV Collective, watching New Girl, or playing with her dog, Scooby. So, to kick it off, we have a fun question, which is, what music have you been listening to recently? Do you have any recs for us? Yes. Um, so, of course, I've been listening to Positions, uh, the new Ariana Grande's new album. Yes. is my favorite song. I could sing it all day long. <laughs> me, I'm rhyming. <laughs> Um, and then also Teenage Angst or Teenager Angst, the EP by Ren for short, that EP, it just, it's Teenage Angst and it, it, I love the song, I Drive Me Mad, it, it's a headbanger and it really helps me work out all the anxiety from like all this election stuff. Um, and then also Kamari is a new R&B artist um, and I've been listening to a lot of his stuff recently. That Girl is my favorite song by him right now, highly recommend if you want to be a brand new fan as he rises up wow she really came with the recommendations we love to see it also <laughs> yeah i'm i guess technically not a teenager anymore but the angst is real especially during covid yeah <laughs> so jaren my dear friend can you tell us uh about your background in music yeah um so 
I started off as a saxophone player um, in sixth grade. Well, I guess really I became interested in music as a really young kid. My dad always played R&B um, in the car whenever we would drive. He would drive me to school. We'd go to the gas station, go to restaurants. Um, and I was always the kind of kid who would sing along, but also I wanted to listen to Disney. But by him forcing me to like listen to his music, it got my ear trained to what is actually happening in the music industry. So I have him to thank for that. Um, and then when I went to middle school, I decided to join the band. So I tested a bunch of instruments. I was gonna play trombone, but I was like, oh, that's a boy instrument. So I'm gonna play saxophone instead. So that's what I did. Um, and then I really loved it. It was something that helped me to really be focused and I could express myself. So I stuck with it. Um, all the way through high school, I did the whole private lessons thing. Um, and then in high school, I was a part of the marching band. I was a drum major for my last two years of high school. So I did that. And then I also played competitively as well. Um, and then when it came to college, I was like, oh, I guess we'll just, I, I'm good at this thing. So we'll just keep it going. <laughs> so I applied to USC Thornton. It was actually out of the, I think, 10 schools I applied to. USC was the only one that I applied to for music. I actually applied as a science major at the rest of them, which I don't know interesting yeah so Thornton was the only place that I was like this I know I would enjoy doing music here so that's what I applied for um I got in thankfully and then right as I was graduating from high school and transitioning to college I realized that I didn't really enjoy playing anymore it was something that was becoming more of a chore for me and I was I was really lucky to be good at it but I realized that like I enjoyed it because I was good at it it wasn't so much something that I was really enjoying just for the art of it anymore um so I tried it out for the first year and that was still holding true so I decided to change my major because I realized that I really enjoy like the business side behind it and I really enjoy popular music not so much classical music um I was never the kid who was like listening to Beethoven while walking <laughs> to class or anything like that like I really didn't do a lot of saxophone stuff outside of like what I had to do for lessons and for performances. Um, and so when I realized that my passion lied within the like contemporary side of music, I was like, okay, it's time to make a change. Um, but I wasn't sure what exactly I wanted to do in terms of like entertainment and music. So I was like, okay, I'll just major in communications. That way I can get a broad education and say, say I wanna go into TV and film. I have the bandwidth to be able to do that. I'm not limiting myself to just the music industry. Um, and Annenberg was, the requirements were a lot easier than going to business schools and, and their classes are way more interesting. So I was like, we're gonna do that. <laughs> so I ended up in the school of communication um, and then I decided to finish out my saxophone minor because I had so many credits that it would have been a waste. Um, and I'm really glad that I did that because I could just get closure on saxophone and really like fulfill that and finish off with a great performance, which was really fun. Um, and then I got a minor in music industry because that's where I essentially want to end up. So I ended up doing that. And here we are. I haven't played saxophone in a year and I actually miss it. <laughs> it's in my saxophone's in LA with my aunt. So I haven't been able to play unfortunately during quarantine, but um, I can't wait to get back in January and start playing again. And yeah, that's where I am right now. Yay. You're coming back. That's so exciting. <laughs> That'll be so fun. Probably good um, to have you. Yeah. So what kind of made you realize you were interested kind of in the business side instead of in the performance side? I think that part of that was I really have always been a leader and in everything that I've ever been a part of, I've always ended up in some sort of leadership position, whether that be a group project where I'm the one kind of 
keeping everything together or, (laughs) right. Or like I was the drum major um, in my high school. So I didn't even, I was, you know, I started off on the leadership team as a sophomore, which I was actually the first sophomore to be promoted to the leadership team um, in my high school's history. So like that kind of just catapulted me to want to just keep rising through the ranks. Um, And then also I, as I, when I came to Thornton, I had never been around contemporary musicians really. Um, I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. So that isn't a huge um, music scene um, other than like jazz. So when I came here, I saw, I became friends with a lot of people who were in Thornton and I was really interested in watching their careers progress and I wanted to help with that. Um, and so that's where my passions really started to come out in terms of being passionate about helping artists develop and really helping them to streamline their careers and you know helping them to focus on their art because as a musician myself, I know what it feels like on a smaller scale to have to focus on like, the business side and the art side of music and having to, you know, pitch yourself and, um, you know, get your foot in the door, but also while you're trying to like create and perform. So I was like, what can, how can I be a part of this whole world of trying to help support these artists so they can really focus on what they love to do and we can help them on that. And so that's how I ended up um, coming into the music industry space or music business space in general. And I do think for me, it's just something that's fun and I think that I would really enjoy it. Um, and in the small things that I'm doing with friends, I've really loved the work that we're doing. So it just kept me going and here we are. <laughs> yes, we're happy to have you in our music industry squad. <laughs> so how do you feel that your studies or work in communications has helped you in your goals in the music industry? It's a good question. I... So the communication school is really cool because you get to study a lot of broad topics. Um, And I think that's something that's really inspired me in that school is learning about culture and technology and kind of the fusion between how can we, um, how can we help communicate these new technologies? How can we help communicate between cultures and figuring out how to make those things align? And I think that those are the two things that have really sparked my interest from the communication school and moving over into to music. Um, especially with the technology side, like I'm really interested in DSPs and helping artists kind of establish themselves in this new tech world that's blossoming. And so I have really found a passion for that just because of being in the communication school and working with tech so closely. I feel like Annenberg does a really good job of introducing us to new industries really early so that we can be ahead of the cusp in terms of what is coming out and what is new. Um, And then also just the basic skill of like communication and being able to be that bridge between the artist and the promoter or the artist and, you know, the manager and whatever that has to be. um, That's come really in handy in terms of communicating messages to the artist directly from outside sources, whether that be through other, through playlisters, through bloggers, and explaining to the artist, this is what they're looking for, this is what you need, can you send that to me and I can send that forward. Um, They know that's a skill that's really important, especially when you're managing artists and I think that that's what's really helped me kind of moving forward and also just being able to meet people in different areas of communication because communication is so broad that so many people are interested in so many different things and I think that you know being able to meet people who are interested in film or interested in tv who are interested in music videos like your network can kind of grow from that because you can connect people who aren't, you can connect an artist to somebody who's interested in music videos and then to somebody who's interested in sync. And then somebody who happens to just kind of like tech and wants to, you know, 
have a startup and you can connect them there. And then somebody who's interested in fashion and like, hey, let's do some merch together. And you know, there's all these sectors that you can connect. Um, and so it's really cool to see everybody pursuing what they want to in communication, but also being able to collaborate in that way as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, you know, I'm a music industry major, so that's like been my focus. But I think that a lot of people I know are also communication majors and their folk, their like study there have really helped them a lot. So that's awesome. Yeah. And kind of along that line, you have a blog and it's really cool. It's called the JV Collective. And can you tell us a little more about it and what inspired you to start it? Yeah, I am. Um, so the JV Collective is essentially a, a digital journal. That's what I call it. Um, it's a place where I can share my thoughts, my feelings, but also because I'm obsessed with music, I can share my music thoughts in terms of, you know, doing reviews on things that I'm loving and not in a way that's like, you know, a pitchfork where I'm actually trying to like pitch music and like really be specific, but just taking my mu my musician's ear and applying it to the music that I'm hearing just really for myself. And the reason why I started a blog rather than say a YouTube channel or some sort of Instagram page or TikTok was because I'm somebody who really focuses on numbers and that's just kind of one of my flaws <laughs> in terms of like performance. And so I was like, I need something where nobody else can see the numbers and it's just about the content because on YouTube, you can see the likes and the comments um, and like similar on TikTok, you can see the followers and the likes and all of that stuff. And I was like, I just want people to enjoy the content and not worry about how well I'm, I'm performing, that's for me. Um, and I really enjoy writing and that's a skill that I really wanna keep developing. So that was another reason why I started the blog, just because I do journal in my free time um, when I have a minute and I just need to get some thoughts out. I take, I just open my phone and open the notes app and just write down whatever I'm thinking. I'm a big to-do list person. Um, so I just thought it was a way for me to kind of streamline all of those thoughts in a way that wasn't, um, I guess it wasn't, I don't wanna say like, offensive to others, but it's more so just about me and like what I'm thinking. Um, and so I started in quarantine because quarantine was hard and, um, you know, I'm at home right now in Atlanta with my parents. And of course, living at home has its perks, but it also has its cons in terms of, you know, you lose your independence a little bit, especially when you're so used to being by yourself for months on end. Um, so that's really what caused me to start it was just so I could like really talk about how I'm feeling um, in different in different ways. And some of that's quarantine, some of that's talking about virtual school. Um, and I've just really enjoyed writing and it's been something that I've really been able to just get my thoughts out on paper. And I think I can use that as well for, you know, other jobs. I always put it on my resume um, and cover letters just because I want people it's, I mean, I, I know that some employers won't care about my blog just because it's not as professional, but I know some will, especially ones that are looking for people who have writing skills. And so it's a great way for me to showcase the skills that I have and the way that I analyze music um, while also being able to like have this emotional like journal that I can just put out, put out what I want. I um, mean, I can hold back a lot too, because it, my face isn't really on it besides the about page. And it kind of gives me a way to separate um, my thoughts and feelings, but give them out to the world as well. And I've really enjoyed that aspect. So check it out. Yes. <laughs> yes, check it out. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Definitely a great platform. It's really cool that you've branched out in that way. Cause I think that could be a little scary too, for people to put stuff like that out there. So that's definitely a bold move. I congratulate you. Thanks. Um, <laughs> and so you are the president of the women's network at USC, which is so cool. Um, so for the, those of us who don't know, what does your involvement with this organization look like and what got you interested? 
Um, so my involvement with the Women's Network USC, well, really the Women's Network, um, I found out about this org through my friend Cairo Lawrence. She was an, one of the first ambassadors at USC when they were expanding to other chapters. And so I just asked her about it because I've, I was looking for a women's organization for a while to join on campus, one that didn't require dues, didn't have an application, um, because I applied to a few and gotten rejected. And so I was really frustrated because I was like, I just want to join a club where I can feel included. And an application process kind of doesn't really do that because you're excluding people. <laughs> so um, when I found out about the Women's Network and I found out about the fact that there's no application and there's no dues, I was like, sign me up immediately. And the main thing about the Women's Network is championing ambition. And, you know, women's ambition is something that some, is a lot of times taken as, as like too much and it's too aggressive and women are, you know, way too forward in terms of their goals and what they want. And I'm the kind of person who's very ambitious. You both are very ambitious. And so I wanted a place where I could still be myself and have that, you know, moving forward kind of energy, but that not be like, then I'd be degraded for being, you know, too much. Um, and so I was like, this is the perfect place for me. I just want to join. I was not intending on like getting a leadership position, but as I said before, it just somehow always happens. Um, and so I saw that they had um, applications coming out. So I was like, you know, let me just apply for like a blog managing position. They have a blog um, or I'll do like marketing, you know, just something low key, like just low involvement, but get a little like title on my resume because before that I hadn't really done much in college and so I was like I need to just get like I need to do something and this is something I'm passionate about so let's just go for it um and I also applied for the vice president position because it was really more so like administrative stuff and I was like I'm really good at administrative stuff I'm really nitpicky I'm really detail oriented so I would be really great at that um and the president position I was like I have zero leadership experience and as I mean in college that is and I haven't had any internships and so I don't know why they would even choose me so why would I even apply so I didn't apply um and then the founder she dm'd me because I had a couple of questions she was like let's hop on a call so I was like okay cool cool, cool. so we hop on a call um and so I was just asking her about what the Women's Network is and just kind of getting a better understanding of like this new organization and also asking about these positions I was applying for because I really wanted to put my best foot forward. And so she was like, have you ever considered applying to be the president? And I was like, oh, no, I'm, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I have no experience and I probably wouldn't even get it. So like, I'm not even worried. Like I want to do the VP position. And she told me the statistic and I can never remember exactly what it was, but essentially, um, there's a certain percentage of men that are more likely to apply to jobs when they're only, I believe, 30% qualified, whereas women are way less likely to apply to a job, even if they're 100% qualified. And so when she said that, I was kind of like, you caught me because I do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, where like, I'll look at an application and I'm like, okay, I'm missing this one bullet point. So you know what, they're probably not going to choose me. So I'm just not even going to apply. And so she kind of caught me in that and was like, you should just go for it. Just go for it. See what happens. Worst comes to worst, you get another position or you can apply next semester. So I was like, you know what, what do I have to lose? Like we're in quarantine. Let's just go for it and just see what happens. Lo and behold, I got it. Um, and so now what I do is I lead um, a 12 person board and my job is mostly reaching out to speakers and planning our speaker panels, um, as well as you know communicating with all our board members and really just overseeing all of the operations and ensuring that at the end of the day, everything that we're doing is to uplift the women in our organization and ensure that their ambition is being championed. Um, and so a lot of that 
a lot of that comes in, you know, making sure that marketing is putting out all the graphics and they look the way that, you know, I envision for the organization. And that's following up with our events VPs and making sure that all of our other events that don't include speaker panels um, are planned out and ready to go. And we are going to have a great meeting coming up on Tuesday night or, you know, just making sure that all of the financial stuff is in, is in place and ensuring that our blog is posting and, you know, all of these little things. And then also, you know, making sure that our members are being heard and communicating with them as well. Um, so I have my hand in a lot of different areas of the organization. I have them in all of them, which has been really fun. And it's given me the opportunity to meet new people um, around campus, even though all of it's been virtual. I haven't even met my board in person. I've never met my VP in person. So it's been really interesting learning how to lead while not knowing people because I feel like that in-person interaction kind of, you add the emotional side to leadership more so. And so figuring out how to translate that into the virtual space has been a challenge for me, but it's been really great for me to learn how to do that because of the times that we're moving into. And so that's been really fun. And then also um, communicating with the other chapters. So the Women's Network has, I believe, 24 chapters in total around the country. So, you know, getting to talk to those presidents every other week and figure out, like, what are you doing at your chapter that's working? And what am I doing at mine? And how can we collaborate? And, you know, can you send me your PowerPoint for this meeting? Because we're having one on a similar topic. Um, and we're going to pull a couple slides from that. Yeah, cool. Sure. And so it was really great to have that community as well of other women who are leading across the country in various industries um, and being able to connect with, the, with each other on LinkedIn and get to know one another. And this is something that I think I wouldn't have gotten had I not come across this um, organization. And it's been really beneficial in terms of me having a support team while in quarantine, but also being able to support others in quarantine and through this whole virtual school thing that my members are going through, which has been really fantastic. That was long-winded, but... Yes. <laughs> Everyone, also, if you're a woman at USC, check out the Women's Network because they're doing really cool stuff. <laughs> she's <laughs> almost being modest about all the stuff she's doing. So I'll say it. <laughs> yeah. so, do you see your passion for women connecting and female empowerment impacting your career in the music industry? Definitely. I think that in everything that I do moving forward, um, I want diversity to be at the forefront, um, especially, you know, racial diversity, ethnic diversity, and then also, you know, women's empowerment, gender diversity too, for women and non-binary people. Um, and that's something that I've always been really passionate about. And I do research at, in Annenberg on diversity and inclusion in various industries in the entertainment, in entertainment. Um, and so I've noticed that that's something that I'm really passionate about. And I want to make sure that, you know, whether I'm doing AR, I'm doing streaming, like I'm making diverse playlists, or I'm finding a diverse group of artists, or, you know, I'm marketing to a diverse group of people and, not, and making sure that this artist aligns with people who don't even look like them to ensure that, you know, everybody feels seen by this person who's putting out this music. You know, I think that music is a diverse arena and we have to really press into that because if we don't we're missing a large gap um, because the whole point of music is to communicate regardless of what you look like and I think that, you know, making sure that that's always at the forefront is really important in terms of continuing to let the music industry progress and grow. Yeah, absolutely. That's so cool. And I think, you know, that's something that you can kind of take and it is definitely applicable to any field and especially in entertainment. And so it'll be really cool to see how you, where you take that and what you do with that. Um, and kind of on a different note, um, you mentioned earlier that you're interested in working in A&R or streaming at a record label or DSP. Those are kind of your areas of interest and just wondering what drew your attention to those fields? What makes you interested in those in particular? Yeah, um, I'll start with streaming. Streaming, I've always been interested in, I think. I, I 
I've always loved making playlists. I really am interested in how streaming and streaming tech and artists are collaborating in terms of, you know, different campaigns that artists are doing, whether that be with Pandora or with Spotify or with Apple Music. Um, and I really think that as kind of scary as streaming can be, especially like what happened this week with Payola and all that stuff, you know, I think that there is a great motion forward in terms of making music more accessible to all. And I think that that's why I love streaming is again, on the diversity note of, you know, not everybody can go to a concert, right? Concerts can become expensive. It's a hundred, $200 tickets. If you're lucky, they're $30, um, you know, depending on where you want to sit, what venue, but with streaming, you can pay $4.99 a month and listen to all the music that you want to. Um, you can even get, you know, access to live interviews, to live shows. And it kind of levels the playing field in a way that I don't think we've really seen before. Um, obviously, you have to have a device. So that's the one caveat to making it equitable. But um, I think that it is one of the most equitable ways to access music today. And so I think that's why I'm really interested in it. Um, and then also, you know, helping artists learn more about the space, which I've said before, but I think that that's really interesting for me in curating playlists. And, you know, I don't know exactly where I'm streaming, but, um, you know, I think that that's a place that I really see myself doing well. And I also, as much as I say, I hate math, I, I kind of, I think it's fun. Like I like getting problems, <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think that comes back again to like my numbers thing. So I can see myself doing like, you know, data projection and stuff for streaming, which I think that that's kind of how everything ties in for me, which is really interesting and something that I didn't really know about until I heard a woman from Sony Entertainment, Sony Music Entertainment speaking um, over the summer about how she kind of uses some math, not a lot of math to work in global streaming. So I was like, okay, I see the numbers coming in here. Yes. Um, but yeah, in terms of A&R, that's actually one that's really new for me. Um, and I guess I always thought that A&R was something that I wasn't good at. One, because I feel like my music taste, I wasn't the one that was always finding the artist that had like 20 monthly listeners, you know? And I was like, well, you have to be that kind of person if you want to be an A&R. Like you have to be finding only the people who have like 15 new listeners every day. Um, and it has to be like the smallest of the smallest baby artists. But the more I talk to people who work in A&R and I can think my mentors, old mentor, um, JJ Parker, who is Harry Hudson's manager, I talked to him over the summer and I got a better idea of what AR really is. Um, and so I can really see myself, especially being a musician, being able to support projects and give advice on different projects. I think it's something I'm really good at just because I have a very, I feel like different ear from people who maybe haven't done, haven't been a performer before, but work in the business side. And so I think that that's really applicable in terms of studio sessions and being able to help guide an artist through a project. And I think that that's something I'd be really good at. And I'm also just really meticulous and detail oriented and, you know, good at deadlines. So I think that that's another thing that a &Rs have to be in terms, in, in order to be successful. And so when I realized all these little things that I'm really good at, I was like, okay, so it seems like the more and more I try to run away from a &R, the more and more that like, I could actually be really good at it. Um, and then I just would randomly have friends who would just be like, oh, you'd be a good a &R. Oh, you'd be a great a &R. like different friends from Thornton. And I was like, I don't really know, probably not. And the more I looked into it, the more I was like, maybe yes. So now that's what I'm pursuing. And I'm kind of trying to face my fear of A&R. Um, and I just, I think that that's something I'd be really good at and it makes me excited. Um, and I just think that it would be really fun for me, especially, like I said, as a musician, being able to work on projects, also still in business, but really have hands-on access to 
different parts of, you know, the creative process. I think that's something that would really excite me because I would still be able to apply a lot of what I know as a musician, but also still be focusing also on business. And it's kind of the marriage of the two things that I love the most. Um, so I think that that's really where, where I would thrive. Streaming is also great, um, but I think I'm hopefully going to end up in AR at some point in time. Just have to get that foot in the door and figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. And it's good to know about AR because I also have felt the pressure of like, oh no, they have like a hundred thousand listeners. They're too big. Like it's very stressful. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't listen to SoundCloud all day. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know. For some reason that's a scary one. I feel that too. I've kind of been I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, Can I really do that? I don't know. <laughs> but I mean other people can. So that makes me feel like I can. <laughs> yeah, and I think also too. Over the summer, I, I um, attended a lot of panels, and I think that a part of me wanting to pursue AR was I was like, oh, there's a lot of guys. Um, and in talking mm -hmm. to JJ too, he was like, the one thing he told me that really stuck with me was like, people are going to run you out of the room before you can even get in, and you have to just tear the wall down and burn the place up in order to stay in there. And he was like, don't be afraid to burn down the whole room if that means getting your point across. Um, he was like, one, only one person has to be convinced it's a good idea for things to um, start turning in your direction. So he's like, if you want to go for A&R, just do it and people will listen to you as long as you, you know, trick one person into thinking that it's a good idea and you just go from there, you're good. Um, and the second thing, and then we can move on to another point, but um, the second thing that he told me was also, you know, a lot of people, and I'm sure you two have maybe seen this, um, especially like in LA, I think that this is something that really scared me about the music industry at first was there are so many people who have more connections than me or, you know, have had more internships than me or whatever the case may be. Um, but they don't, they don't really love music. A part, a lot of it is like just for the connections and something that you told me was like, you know, the passion will always supersede um, connections and will always supersede you know, the flashiness of music, you know, if you're passionate about it, and if you love what you do, then you will be the one that's the most successful. So I think when I heard that, I was like, okay, I just need to keep being passionate about the things that I'm interested in and not running away from them. And that's where I will see the most success rather than running to, you know, a different department that I'm like, okay, this sounds like good enough, and I will be good at it. So I'm just going to do it. And I think also that's kind of, you know, running back to like, when I did music, that's something that I noticed was like, I'm good at this, but I'm not passionate about it anymore. And that's when I kind of moved to this. And now, I'm doing more and I'm more happy than I ever have been because I'm pursuing something I'm passionate about. So yeah, that's, that would be, if anybody's listening and wants advice, that's my advice. <laughs> that kind of, sorry, that kind of jumped, but. No, that's really good advice. And actually speaking of advice, I'm going to ask you for some more. So we've been friends for a while now. And during that friendship, I've seen you just connect and network with so many people. You have a knack for making like authentic connections and approaching people you don't know and getting them to love you right away. So do you have any advice for us or the people listening about authentic networking? We can use some help <laughs> getting people to not be scared off by the two Sophias right away. <laughs> first, thank you. That means a lot. Um, I think that at first I was also like very scared of networking just because I'm like, Oh, I'm so weird and awkward. And like, it's going to be like very strange. Um, but I think when I finally just realized that like, they don't have to like me, but I'm still gonna talk to you, you know? And I, I have an outgoing personality and I think 
the less you think of yourself and the more you think of how can I connect with this person? Um, what is something that, what's the one thing that we can connect on that can blossom into a different conversation? Um, and not so much worrying about you, but more so letting them talk to you. And, you know, people love to talk about themselves. So that's kind of how I walk into every situation. Um, but in terms of authentic networking, I mean, just being yourself, like not trying to put on a facade. Like I'm really honest. Um, I've never had an internship in the music industry. I, you know, got into this I'm not late, but you know, I don't have a lot of connections in terms of like my parents weren't a part of the music industry. I didn't really have friends a part of the music industry before I came to college. So I feel like being really humble and honest with yourself and with the people you're talking to, it already levels things down to you being a really authentic person and people wanting to help you. Um, and that's what's really helped me. I feel like just being honest with that and not trying to act like I have more than I actually do because that can be beneficial in some situations, but sometimes you get in way way over your head and it really bites you in the ass sorry oh sorry um, <laughs> um but yeah um and then in terms of growing I would say the first thing that I really did was first I, I got a mentor which was really helpful um and I'm really lucky that I got a mentor not everybody has access to that but um I got one through the Black Alumni Association at school and so she really helped me to learn like how to network outside of my peers and the people I know um and then from there you know using for me, it's using LinkedIn um, and just sending like little notes to people, like connecting people who I, at companies that I love um, with people who I'm like, okay, you went to USC, I went to USC, let's be friends. <laughs> um, and then also, you know, looking for positions that I'd be interested in and connecting on that. So, you know, just sending a quick note and saying, hi, I would love to learn from you rather than hi, I need a job. That's always a great way to start things off because that way you can really get to know that person and they can help you move forward and meet other people. So like I said, with my mentor, like she introduced me to her mentor that she had when she was in college, um, who happens to be Harry Hudson's manager. And so now like, he's like, you know, you're a part of like the family now. And now I'm also, you know, your mentor in a way. So that was a really great connection for me to make. And I learned a lot from him and I wouldn't have had that had I not one asked my mentor, like, Hey, do you know anybody who I can connect with who has done? I think at the time I was interested in radio promotions. So I was like, Hey, do you know anybody who's done that? Can you connect me to somebody? And that's who she connected me to. Um, you know, like on that point, being willing to ask for help, being willing to ask professors um, and people around you, Hey, do you know somebody who works at this company or do you know somebody who does this thing, whether that be A&R or consulting or whatever that case may be. Um, they very well may, or they may not know somebody who does that exact role, but they have something similar and that person can connect you with the person that you're looking for. Um, you know, just being willing to be humble and ask for help is really the main way that I found networking to be really beneficial for me. I think that that's the way that I've really been successful at it. And then also just being yourself, of course, like that's really the only way to continue being successful in life is just being as authentic as you can be not only with yourself, but with other people as well. Well, Jaren, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Um, <laughs> is there anywhere you want the people listening to be directed to find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Jaren Valdry, J-A-R-Y-N, V as in Victor, A-L-D-R-Y. Also the JV Collective, that's jvcollective.org. There is no the in the web address. Um, and yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's the same thing, Jaren Valdry. And that's pretty much it for me. If you find me on TikTok, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I see you. <laughs> I am a duet account only. But yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Um, that's Those are all my little things. I'm not really like, you know, all over the place. I'm not a social media influencer. But if you're interested in my pictures of my dog, then totally. And I share music on my Instagram a lot too. So you can get some good takes there. Yeah, well, Amazing. thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for having me.
thank you all for listening. You can find us on Instagram at sophia.productions and please go rate, download, and follow wherever you get your podcasts.